So, we have been talking all week long about this idea of stewardship. In case you didn't know, we had one, two, three, four, three and a half, we'll say, Bible studies, a long story there, um, about this particular topic through this last week. To those of you who turned out for it, I am so appreciative to have you there to be a part of these conversations. I know they're difficult, but they are important, yes? And here's the reason that we're talking about stewardship again and again and again and again. And yes, we're going to talk about it this morning as well. The reason being is threefold. One, Memorial Day is tomorrow, and that always marks the unofficial start of summer. And I know how summer goes at churches because I've been a pastor of churches for a long time. And so this might be the last time I see some of you for a little while before you take off to the beach. And so it's a good reminder that even if you're away, we still survive on the funds that you give to this church, okay? We still need you uh, to turn up for that in those ways. So that's only reason number one, though. Reason number two is you look in your bulletin, those announcement sheets that we get. Every single week on the back of those announcement sheets, it tells us how much money we we received the week before and how much we need each week in order to meet our budget. And over the last couple of weeks here, we've been coming up a little bit short. So I thought it might be a good idea to let you all know that we still need your support here of this congregation. So that's reason one and reason two. But the most important reason is number three. And the reason number three is that how we relate to our money is a matter of faith. How we relate to our money changes the way that we relate to other people and the way we relate to God as well. And so most importantly, as your pastor, it is my job to speak with you every now and then, not every Sunday, but maybe we should do it every Sunday, every now and then on the ways that money is a matter of the heart, in the ways that money is a spiritual practice for us that we can either ignore or that we can embrace. And so that's what I'd like to speak with you about here this morning. We will be looking at Matthew chapter 25, a very good parable on this topic. And I've titled this sermon, The Way We Were Meant to Live. Please join me in a word of prayer. May the meditations of my heart and the words of my lips be acceptable to you, O God, my rock and my redeemer. Send your living word to walk amongst us now, to challenge our assumptions to set our hearts ablaze, and to make us whole again. Amen. All right, open those Bibles up to Matthew chapter 25, starting at verse 14. I got so excited I forgot my Bible. There we go. Matthew 25, verse 14. And I invite you to stand. Um, We stand when we read the gospel here at Reformation because it is a sign of reverence. And we, we believe that when we read the word of Scripture together in community, that Jesus walks among us. So we stand in reverence for Christ's presence with us now. Hear these words. Matthew 25, starting at verse 14. Jesus told them another parable. He said, For it is as if a man, going on a journey, summoned his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents, to another two, to another one, to each according to his ability. And then the master went away, and the one who had received the five talents went off at once and traded with them and made five more talents. In the same way, the one who had two talents made two more talents, but the one who had received the one talent went off and dug a hole in the ground 
and hid his master's money. After a long time, the master of those servants came and settled accounts with them. And then the one who had received the five talents came forward, bringing five more talents and saying, Master, you handed over to me five talents. See, I have made five more talents. And his master said to him, Well done, you good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And the one with two talents also came forward, saying, Master, you handed me over to me two talents. See, I have made two more. And his master said to him, Well done, good and trustworthy servant. You have been trustworthy in a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Enter into the joy of your master. And then the one who had received one talent also came forward, saying, Master, I knew that you were a harsh man, reaping where you did not sow and gathering where you did not scatter seeds. So I was afraid, and I went and hid your talent in the ground. Here, you have what is yours. But his master replied, You wicked and lazy servant, you knew, did you, that I reap where I do not snow, sow and gather where I did not scatter? Then you ought to have invested my money with the bankers, and on my return I would have received what was mine with interest. So take the talent from him and give it to the one with the ten talents. For to all those who have more, more will be given, and they will have in abundance. But for those who have nothing, even what they have will be taken away. As for this worthless servant, throw him into the outer darkness, where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. Friends, this is the good news. It's the gospel of our Lord. Thanks be to God. You may be seated. Don't you worry. I promise. There is good news in there. There is good news in there. This parable has been used many, many times and can be applied to a number of different facets of our life, right? This could be themes about being faithful with the abilities that God has given to us, being faithful with the time that God has given us, the relationships, or of course, yeah, the money and possessions that we have. That word talent was specifically used in those times to describe a large sum of money. But remember, it's a parable, and so we can apply it to many facets of our life. God gives us the relationships we have, and we should be faithful. God gives us the talents that we have, and we should be faithful with those. God gives us, yes, the money and the financial blessings that we have, and for that we should be faithful as well. In church, there's a broad term for all of this. You've heard me say it before. It's called stewardship. Let me hear you say stewardship. Oh, yes, pastors love it when you say stewardship. Yes, it's a really churchy word. I haven't actually encountered that word much in many other places in life, it seems. It seems that we've, got the, we've cornered the market on stewardship here in the church. And when we talk about stewardship, it's, it's a really important factor. It, we actually talk about it a lot at church because of this, because it really matters. Jesus, in fact, talked about it a lot. I did a little research in preparation for the sermon and found out Jesus talked about money more often than heaven and hell, more often than the Ten Commandments, more often than worship style or, or music programs or youth groups or fish fries or pretty much anything else that we can think of. Eleven of the 39 parables that we have in the Bible, eleven of the 39 parables Jesus has told are about money. It makes you wonder, maybe we should be thinking about this topic from time to time, huh? And so here's the thing. I get it. I get it. It's not easy to talk about this topic. 
It's something that's very private, something that we don't want to discuss. It makes us uncomfortable. And in a lot of ways, I think the best way to describe it is to say, it's like going to the dentist. We know we should do it, but we really hope that that appointment gets canceled and we can just move along. And in the same way, you know that at least once or twice a year, I'm going to stand up here and talk to you about stewardship and you are probably hoping that you slept in this morning. But I have a theory about this. I have a theory. I think the reason that we are so uncomfortable with talking about stewardship is because we don't talk about it in the correct way. Let me give you some examples of this. As you may or may not know, my dad is a pastor too. And so as a young child, I got to hear a stewardship sermon every now and then from my dad. Now imagine that, right? You think this is bad. From my dad. And I've given a lot of thought to the way that he talked about stewardship. And I don't know if he listens to my sermons or not, but if he does, we'll have an interesting conversation later because I'd actually like to critique the way that he approached this. You see, my dad would always tell this story as part of his stewardship sermon, and I kind of hate what it implies. Well, let me tell you the story first. Apparently, there was a moment early on in my dad's marriage to my mother when the money was tight. And so they sat down and they were doing their budget, trying to figure out how they they were going to make things work. And the conversation came up, well, maybe we should lower the amount of money we give to the church. And they talked about this for a little while until they ultimately decided, no, 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 no. We shouldn't do that. We need to be faithful with what God's given us. And this is very important. And apparently, later that week, my mom got a promotion at work. And so then suddenly, the budget was able to balance itself and everything was fine. Look at God. Now, this is a wonderful story. And this is an important reminder that, yes, when we are faithful... With these little things, as it says in the scripture, God will bless us with more. However, here's my critique of that story. One of the things that I think it struggles with is it continues to keep the focus on having the money. Notice, right? It's all about, oh my goodness, we weren't going to have enough, but then we miraculously did have enough. And the whole point along the entire thing is just that as long as we've got enough money. And I understand that we do need to meet our budgets. I'm thankful that my parents were able to balance the budget. I understand the complexity of it. However, we do need to bring into question our relationship with money first and foremost. Because Jesus never said, you should be generous with your money because God will just give you more money. And don't you know the real point of all this is to make sure that you always have money. Notice how that keeps the relationship focused on the money itself. And never bringing into account our relationship with God. This is an important distinction. Okay, time for another story. At my church growing up, they did a stewardship drive every October. And each weekend in October, a different member of the congregation would give a short temple talk about the importance of giving to the church. And I never liked these speeches. Even as a kid, they they came right before the offering. And it always seemed like a really convenient guilt trip, you know? It always felt like the person was saying, it's real important to give money to the church, and I give money to the church, and look, here's an offering plate. Also, the person who gave the temple talks would routinely seem very embarrassed and sheepish about the entire ordeal. And I understand that public speaking isn't everyone's favorite thing to do, but it also just always seemed very clear, even to me as a child, that this person didn't really want to be up there. 
that they didn't have a lot of joy in the giving that they were doing. They were just giving this little speech because the pastor asked them to. And that's the thing, church. The thing about stewardship isn't just something that we should do so that our money is okay. It's just not something we should do because the pastor says so. Stewardship is a matter of our heart. And it is an integral part of being a person of faith. And that is first and foremost. Remember what I said in the beginning. There are three reasons why I'm giving you this sermon today. Number one and number two are very practical, but number three is most important. This is a matter of our heart. This is a matter of deep spirituality, of what it means to truly be a Christian. Focuses a lot on our relationship with money. Now, here's the simple truth. The piece says I'm saying that my father's story, my home congregation, that they miss again and again and again, is that Jesus was focused on the ways that money is a spiritual matter. It's a spiritual matter that we simply must attend to because if we don't, it's going to bite us in the end. We've got to remember that an essential part of Jesus' ministry was always focused on teaching us how to live right now. Jesus, yes, spoke a lot about what would happen after we die and we have eternal blessings to wait for. That's wonderful. But Jesus again and again focused on the ways that we need to be worrying about our life right now. The ways that we need to be living our life right now. And he came to show us how to live more abundantly today. Today. And it's no mistake that with Jesus' focus on helping us discover an abundant life today, it's no mistake that Jesus told 11 of his 39 parables about how to handle your money. Because even back then, 2,000 years ago, Jesus knew that the topic of money was corrupting people's souls and taking them away from living a more abundant, grace-filled, joyful life. Think with me about individuals that we hear about on the news, the super wealthy and rich, the billionaires, the hedge fund managers, the celebrities and the movie stars who seem to have more than enough money to go around. Do they ever look happy? Do they ever seem fulfilled? When you have a relation to money like this where you have so much, it seems like you always just want a little bit more. I heard a story on the radio the other day about this group of people living in a town that I won't necessarily mention, but they were talking about how if they could just get to $36 million in the bank, then it would be okay. This is the trick that we play with ourselves, isn't it? I keep saying to myself, once I pay off my student loans, then I'll be okay. But then it's just going to be the next thing or the next thing until I'm the one saying, once I get $36 million in the bank, then I'll be okay. We always want just a little bit more. But notice that this is all about the ways that we are putting our relationship with money first and foremost. You don't think you're okay until you've got enough money, whatever that number is. But the reality is, when we think like that, we're completely missing all the ways that God has already said, you're okay. The parable we read this morning brings up This exact theme of the ways that money has a way of poisoning and corrupting us. The parable this morning from the Gospel of Matthew does an excellent job of showing this one individual who only gets one talent, doesn't have a lot, but even that little bit has the potential to corrupt. In the Gospel this morning, 
Jesus tells the story of these servants and the bags of gold that they're given. And two of them are faithful, but the one hoards it. And the reason being, he says, is because he was afraid of his master. Master, I knew that you reap where you do not sow and gather where you do not scatter seed. And so I buried the talent. So at least you could get it back. It is fear that motivates this individual's action. We let fear be a driving force in our life too. And I think very often our relationship with money is one based upon fear. This sense that we never have enough. That we're not going to be okay until we get the $36 million in the bank. That's all a sense, a, a way of thinking that is based upon fear. And now it's not, it's not all our fault either. Because we've all been brought up in a society that pushes this type of fear upon us. This sense that we need to have the newest trend, the best gadget, the nicest house, the fancy car. Because if we don't, then somehow we'll be inadequate. This type of thinking easily creates this fear that I'm speaking about. And we've allowed ourselves to believe that making money and spending money is what will give our life meaning. What will somehow overcome that fear that is within us. The philosopher Cornell West says that we have begun to think that by possessing commodities, we are possessing our very souls. But there's hope, church. And it's really quite simple. How do we combat this fear? This fear that we've been living with? This fear that's all around us? That if you don't have enough, you're going to be inadequate? It's really quite simple. When we freely give of our precious time, of our gifts and abilities, of our possessions and money, when we give that away, we short-circuit the fear. The act of giving away our hard-earned money declares that we live by a different set of rules. We live differently than how our society tells us to live. When When we give, it starts to break the system. When we give, we acknowledge that our life isn't di- is different than the dominant capitalist narrative that we're told from an early age. When we give, we get in touch with that part of ourselves that can never be nourished by buying and selling. Through giving, we announce that our definition is found in God, not in our bank account. Well, through giving, we remind ourselves that money doesn't make the world go round. God does. Through giving, we proclaim that our relationship with God is far more important than our relationship with money. Through giving, we proclaim a different way of life. Jesus calls us to give because he knows that few other practices have the potential to dramatically change our existence. It's, the right, it's right there in the parable. The two servants who choose to share their blessings, they enter into the master's joy. Jesus is telling us that when we give, we discover joy. And be honest, don't you know that to be true? When you help a friend, when you make a donation to an organization, when you see that statement at the end of the year that tells you how much money you've given to Reformation, aren't you filled with at least a little bit of joy? You thought you were going to miss that money. You thought that you were going to have something better for it, but by putting it in the offering plate, you now realize that through giving away that money, it's not a loss. It's the beginning of joy. This is the truly good news from Jesus this morning, church. 
When we give, we find joy. We have nothing to be afraid of. There is no reason to hide and hoard our possessions because we believe in a God that gives to us generously. More than that, we don't have to hide and hoard because Jesus has shown us a better way to live. Jesus shows us that through generosity and giving, we can leave fear behind and enter into God's glory. And so with all this in mind, I'm challenging each of us, myself included, to fear less and to give more. But I'm also asking you to give because giving is all about connecting with God. It's important for our church. There's practical reasons for it. But when we give, we connect with God in a new way. It's no mistake that our offering happens in the middle of our worship service. Because it is an act of worship. You come to church to connect with God, right? Well, that's another way that we do it. Communion, preaching, reading the Bible, singing songs, and yes, bringing your offering forward and putting it in the plate connects you with God. Because God is never ceasing in how he gives to us. There's no one more generous and giving than God. God created this world. God created you and me. God woke you up again this morning and gave you another day. God gave us this church, this community, so that we can live and grow in him and his ways. God gives and gives and gives. And when we follow suit, when we give, it connects us to the generosity of God that's all around. That's why you always feel so good when you're able to take the risk and be generous. Because when you give, you're actually encountering God in that moment. You're connecting with God, who is always giving and generous. Jesus talked so much about money, church, because he knew all of this. And he knew what a spiritual matter it truly is. He knew that if we were going to live fully and wholly and more generously and joyously in this life, that it started with giving and with sharing. This is the way we were meant to live, church. Jesus came to show us a better way, and this is it. We connect with God, we live with joy, and we do that by sharing the blessings that God has given to us. Amen.